This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 5, Episode 14, Homecoming. And let's start it off with some announcements. The first announcement is that this is our 100th episode. 100th episode! Uh, yeah, um, not including the bloop episodes, uh, this is the 100th episode of the podcast. We started so long ago. Yeah. And we have some fun things we want to announce, uh, in, in celebration of our 100th episode. Take it away, Addie. Okay, so uh, you guys might uh, might remember a year ago, over a year ago, when we said, hey, we're going to do YouTube, uh, and then we didn't. We're going to do YouTube. For reals this time. Uh, so what we're going to do is um, starting tomorrow, we are going to release one episode a day until we catch up. So in like 114 episodes from now, uh, we'll, we'll have to figure out what we do next. But uh, our YouTube channel is going to be up and active, so if you're friends are too cool for podcasts have them watch a youtube video yeah and we are starting with episode one of series one it's gonna be dungeons and dragons so if you guys haven't listened to the dungeons and dragons series go uh start listening through it every day on youtube uh additionally uh in celebration of our 100th episode 100 uh we want to or we are going to be having a Another classic essential NPC sweepstakes. Uh, yeah. So we are going to be giving away this awesome Shadowrun tarot deck uh, that has um, mechanical implications as well as some really killer art. Um, yeah. I mean, just the art alone. The quality of these cards is amazing. And the art is so cool. Uh, if you haven't already like looked up some of the art or looked up like this product at all, Go to our Instagram and uh, check out uh, the picture we're going to be posting. Uh, we're going to show some of the cards, so show the box that it comes in. It's super cool. Uh, it's uh, it's super cool, and uh, you guys should be very, very excited to possibly win it. Uh, Addie, what do they have to do to win this awesome tarot deck? Well, you may have heard, Tommy, that <laughs> Essential NPCs is relaunching their YouTube channel. Uh, so anyone who wants to win this awesome super cool tarot deck for Shadowrun should go to the first episode we drop which would be the Dungeons and Dragons episode one and like and comment on the video that's all you gotta do go to Dungeons and Dragons episode one it will be releasing on YouTube tomorrow Wednesday uh, like it, comment on it, say you want to join the sweepstakes. And in two weeks time, when we release episode 16 of this series, uh, we will announce the winner. So you guys got two weeks to go to our YouTube and enter the sweepstakes. So yeah, 
Good luck to all of you. Uh, we also have another announcement. So you guys have heard that Ryan Covert is going to be our GM for Atomic Highway for Series 6. But what you haven't heard is who will be playing for him. We have finally locked in the cast for Series 6. Uh, so Covert is going to be running. Uh, Tommy will be playing. Addie will be playing. Sean Four from Series 1 and 3 will be playing. And a new cast member named Laird Kohansky will be making his debut in Series 6. It's going to be really, really fun. This is a very animated cast, uh, and we just think it's uh, we think it's going to fit really well with the whole uh, like zany post-apocalyptic atomic highway setting. Uh, we're we're really looking forward to. It. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and with that, let's move on into words with the GM. Hello, hello, GM. Hello. This words with the GM hello. is about series five, episode thirteen, suboptimal conditions. Sub. You get it? I, you guys get the pun? I do get it's it. Because it's not optimal, but also submarine. I, I got or it. Submarine, I we, guess. We all got it. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, it was a really fun episode. I was uh, uh, a little bit afraid that I was going to kill you guys. I was a little bit afraid that I was going to kill you guys before you made it into the base. So I'm glad you made it. Good job. I'm glad we made it too. <laughs> That's actually uh, a, a problem I have when designing uh, security. In Shadowrun, because um, this is true in a lot of systems, but when it comes to Shadowrun, the GM has so many tools at their disposal that they can make it like an impenetrable fortress, like layers upon layers of like redundant security to make it so like a Shadowrunning team can't get in. And the only thing really stopping you from doing that is wanting to have an interesting and fun campaign for your players and not just kill them outright. And often when I'm designing like, okay, well, this is, you know, the first layer of security and the second layer and the third layer, I have to stop myself from going too crazy and really ask myself, right, right, but but how can they get past this? Uh, and... You know, often I won't try to think of solution for you guys as long as I don't feel like it's an airtight, impenetrable design. Um, and I feel like I was really close to the edge on this one where I, I basically almost didn't give you guys any option except going in through the front door. And uh, I was a little afraid for uh, I was a little afraid you guys were going to uh, uh, not enjoy that. Um, I mean, it is it is a risk when you do something like that. Luckily for us, we did enjoy it. Um, but uh, you know, we always on the on essential NPCs try to say like, as a GM, you know, do the yes and thing. Don't make it so it's an impossible hurdle. Don't make it so hard that your players don't want to play anymore because they're too frustrated. Ride the line between tension and frustration. And I think that it's important to make sure that your players do have the skill if you're going to set them up to do something like that, where they can succeed. So don't, don't give a, a level 20 challenge to a level two guy. Yeah. Um, um, and I think that's the most important part. As we always say, like as a GM, the most important thing to do is know your table. Uh, if you know that Ryan Covert is amazing at riddles and Dan can think of every contingency plan on the planet and <laughs> things like that, um, you can make it hard as long as you're playing to your table's strengths and playing to what they enjoy. I think you get it, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's let's move in and uh, I want to know what your favorite part was of this uh, white knuckle 
tension-driven episode. Okay, so I was stressed out like the entire time uh-huh. until I listened to it. I really didn't remember anything about it except for that there were mines and we were all going to die. Um, but <laughs> um, my my favorite part is, of course, as always, a tie. Um between all the little animals. <laughs> um, so the slugs are hilarious. I mean, they're terrifying and and just duh. But I mean, their the, name is Soul Eater. Their name is Soul Eater. Um, but uh, everybody's reaction to them was like, and they're like, just like unequivocal fear was hilarious. Um, that was a nice little point of levity. Yeah. Uh, and then again, the other like really funny part was um, the fish. The fish that bumped into the submarine. Yeah. It's like, I just imagined like Nemo or yeah. Dory. And it was just like, do, 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 thump. <laughs> huh. And his tiny little fish brain was just like, huh. I don't know. I, I got a kick out of it. Um, there are a lot of really cool things that happened, but I really like the moments that stand out because of their tonal shift. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What was your favorite part? My favorite part was actually, I was going to say, uh, Nim's glitch, but I realized actually uh, Bumble's glitched too, and that's why he was afraid of the leeches. So I guess my favorite part was the glitches. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's not often in Shadowrun that people actually glitch. I mean, you have edge; you can spend your edge to not glitch, uh, and you can and like so even or so a lot of times even when people do glitch, they just delete it by spending a point of edge, and I don't get to do anything fun with it. But like glitches are a really interesting aspect of the Shadowrun mechanics, and um, uh, I love playing them up. the The best thing about glitches is they provide s- really cool narrative twists and uh i don't get to do them often enough because they're uncommon and when they show up usually people just edge them away so i was really really excited to do some glitches this episode yeah and it's also really funny that um they happened kind of this late in the game because uh for those of you who don't know a glitch is when you have more than half of your pool as ones and so with you guys being this high level it's kind of uncommon for you to roll a big dice pool and come up with more than half ones. And we didn't want to spend our edge because we needed it for later. Yeah. Speaking of later, you guys may have gotten into gotten to the front door of Project Zoria, but you haven't even made it inside yet. If it was this hard getting into the base... It's all easy from here, right? Yeah, sure. Let's go ahead and assume that. Uh, but for those of you listening at home... Let's actually see how it really goes down. <laughs> uh, so without any further ado, let's move on in and listen to Series 5, Episode 14, Homecoming. Enjoy. It started how it always starts. New team, new Johnson, new job. Except this time, it was different. First, the runners. You got Mouse, tiny sweet girl. More than a little funny in the head. But that doesn't matter much considering she's the best fragging Decca I've ever seen. Then there's Cashmere. About as green as they come. Clearly out of his element. But when the cards were down, that boy proved to be one hell of a mage. Then you have Bumbles. Elf. Dryad. Uh, eccentric. If you're being polite, he commands an entire arsenal of drones with enough firepower to level a whole fragging city block. He's the kind of runner you hope you don't need on a job. But if you do, you're fragging glad to have him around. Then there's me, a big red oni named Boomer. 
my specialty, sneaking in, geeking anyone in the way, and as the leader of the group, keeping those three in line. Next, the Johnson. On the surface, sounds pretty straightforward. Next runner called Pretty B. Fell off the grid a few years back, but I didn't ask why. I'm a professional. Not a line of work, people are entitled to their secrets. Weird thing was, he was paying his hand over fist to help people. Had his clearing out ghouls from the sewers and redmen, for frag's sake. Like I said, weird. But it's not often you get a line of jobs with a little bit of honor in them. So I was on board from day one. After a while, we earned Brins, I mean Pretty B's, trust. And he let us meet his employer, Lawrence Whitmore. Mr. Whitmore was the last genuine anti-establishment businessman, according to my friend Doc. Publicly, Mr. Whitmore had retired a long time ago when he was, like, really young. But he didn't really. It was all a ruse. And in secret, he started shadow running against the corporations. When he got too old to keep running, he switched to being a Johnson and hired a team of runners to continue the work he started. But not us. We come way later. The runners he hired back then were Bryn's team. Bryn his sister Enna, an elf named Lario, and an adept named Jason Black. Bryn told us that all of them had died a long time ago, and that's why Mr. Whitmore was looking for a new team. And that's when he found us. We could continue his mission to protect those who couldn't protect themselves, especially from the corporations. I learned from Doc that when you have the chance to do something good for somebody else, you should do it. So, of course, I agreed to help. Unfortunately, no good deed goes unpunished, and no organization rises without inspiring a rival. Havoc 66 arose as a dark mirror to Whitmore and Bren's work, led by a madman called Hellion. It didn't take long before Hellion found out about us, and we learned that there was quite a lot that Whitmore wasn't telling us. Like that Hellion was actually the not-so-dead Jason Black the very one that used to run with Bryn. Hellion had turned on his old team, slaughtering them as he defected from Whitmore's cause, which we would learn much later was because he wasn't just operating alone. See, the funny thing about magic is, those of us who are able to harness it are as much under its influence as it is under ours. Hellion had gotten into bed with the wrong kind of spirit, a toxic one. Uh, the spirit drove him mad, uh, desiring only destruction. It took Whitmore's anti-corporation agenda and uh, perverted it, uh, causing Hellion to see violence as the only solution. But before we had a chance to prepare for the coming onslaught, Hellion made his move against the corpse and Whitmore. He broke into the estate and murdered Whitmore right in front of us. Then he stole Whitmore's personal shuttle, blasting off into space. See, Hellion had set into motion a series of events that gave him the opportunity to hit the corporations where it would hurt them the most. Now the thing about AAA Corps is they're much too big to take down. That said, they did put quite a few of their eggs in one basket, Zurich Orbital Station. The station is, was, a seat of power for the AAAs. The Matrix, their bank, and even the corporate court was housed there. Like I said, a lot of eggs in one nice mid-sized space basket. Hellion's plan was to take over the station and crash it on Seattle. Not quite an extinction level event, but certainly a global catastrophe. 
Naturally, the only reasonable thing for us to do was follow him up into space and stop him. Which we did. Sort of. We definitely took Hellion out, just not before he had done enough damage to the station to send it careening earthward. But with a little help from Mouse, we managed to make the whole space station rigger interface. That's right, for a few glorious minutes, I was a space station. While rigged in, I had to break poor Zurich Orbital apart. It fell into the ocean in little bitty pieces, causing basically no damage at all. And we became global heroes. Except no one knows, because we're Shadowrunners, and the corpse would love to pin this on us. So we decided to lay low, in Whitmore's mansion. It was the only sensible choice. That's where we've been since then, keeping our heads down while Bryn lines up the next job. And that's where I come in. This crusade Whitmore started is more than just a mission. It's my legacy. My name is Nim, and Lawrence Whitmore was my father. Whitmore sacrificed everything for his crusade against the corpse, including his relationship with my mother, L'Oreal. I never understood how he could just neglect us for his greater purpose. When I was old enough to join his team, he didn't offer, and I didn't ask. Some people would consider that a lucky break for me if they knew what happened next. When Jason Black murdered my mother, I faked my death and fled overseas. And it wasn't even hard considering my ability to magically impersonate literally anyone I meet. I needed to start a new life as someone else, to get away from him and, well, everything. I never understood how important my father's mission was until after he died. And then it was too late. It wasn't really a decision to come back to Seattle. It was something else, an, an imperative. I have to try to make things right in whatever way I can. I returned to the manor and met Bryn's new team. And apparently the mage they've been running with, this cashmere guy, ended up just like Jason. He turned toxic, betrayed his team, and ran away. I can understand why they've had some trouble trusting me. It took me this long to start letting people back into my life after a toxic mage tore it apart. Hopefully, they're not as slow on the uptake. The last time we left Crash 3.0, uh, they had made their move against Evo, targeting the black site project known as Project Zoria, they made their way into the belly of Lake Washington. Uh, Bumbles crafted a submersible sub, uh, a submersible limousine, uh, which he has christened the Submosine, uh, and drove the team, plus D'Artagnan, to Lake Washington after coordinating with Maria Silva, who said she would get a Lone Star uh, patrol boat to hang out around the coordinates above Project Zoria so that uh, the team can use it to make their escape and possibly their evacuation of the base if they manage to save any clones. They made their way to the bottom of the base, dodging mines, spirits, and weird chimeric creatures, tapped in, opened up the central chamber. Uh, the structure of this base is three disks, um, and it actually how this site houses three different projects, it seems. There's Echnid, Deva, and Zoria. Um, the, the uppermost disc, the one that just barely pokes out of the ba base of the lake, is Echnid. Then the second disc is Deva, and the third disc is Zoria. Uh, and um, 
the team managed to sneak in through the main chamber, sneaking by the auxiliary security suite that's there, uh, housing a team of highly trained, very dangerous uh, soldiers, and uh, made it to the door of Project Zoria. You guys chose the southern hatch to go through. You docked, and uh, you've opened up your little two-foot-long airlock uh, in the bottom of the submarine, uh, or the submazine. Uh, you guys are, like, kind of hanging from the chairs and standing on the chairs. Basically, the submazine is pointing nose upward right now, um, and its floor is basically opened up into this doorway that leads to the hatch leading to Zoria. What do you guys do? Um, I guess I'm going to assemble my pistol walker <clears throat> now before I need it in four seconds. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm going to... Look at Mouse and say Rutabaga, and then change my face to look like hers. Okay, uh, go ahead and roll Disguise. Get an additional plus two on this, because you've been practicing turning into Mouse. That's four hits. Yeah, you look at Mouse, and you make a pretty uh, pretty good disguise, based on uh, how she looks. Um, and uh, you reshape your face, and your, and recolor your hair to blonde. Um, you are still wearing your trench coat, um, uh, cause I assume you don't want to just like copy Mouse's leather jacket. It doesn't, it's kind of a net gain there, <laughs> but you look like her at least. Uh, what and, was Echo wearing when we saw her? Oh, she was wearing, actually she was wearing a trench coat too. Not the same as yours, but yeah, like a, a Burberry black trench coat basically. Okay. Uh, double breasted. Um, but, uh. <laughs> Are you also uh, touching Mouse and taking her fingerprints, retinal scan, and DNA? Hey, Mouse. Uh Uh-huh? Would it be okay if I copied your DNA? I mean, I'm not really the only one who has it. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. (laughs) I just need to touch your hand for a couple minutes, okay? Okay. Put my hand on Mouse. Uh, mouse I and, grab it like we're holding hands. Yeah, Mouse and Nim hold hands. <laughs> and Mouse kind of swings them back and forth a little bit while she waits. And six minutes pass. And uh, uh, I take off my wetsuit. Sure. So you, I'm in my suit now. You unzip your wetsuit, <laughs> revealing your suit. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, well, so Bumbles made his drone. He, he his uh, Yeah, Bumbles made his little walker drone. Um, Nim has disguised herself as Mouse. Uh, what are you guys up to now? We saw the video that D'Artagnan had of, um, I think it was Echo, but someone lo- who looked like Echo walking through the training room with the younger clones. Mm-hmm. What was that woman wearing? Uh, so you, you bring up that feed. Uh, you see a room full of like three-year-old girls. Um, all sitting there plugged into these uh, programmable assist biofeedback machines. Um, it's, and they're being basically like conditioned, it looks like. And every time they answer a question wrong, they get zapped with biofeedback and things get changed. And uh, you watch as she's pacing around. She's wearing what looks like kind of a, a, a muted white, like kind of grayish white jumpsuit. Very, very plain. It zips up on the front with a couple buttons. And uh, as she turns at one point to, like, check one of the connections on one of the girls, uh, you do see that there's a little, like, patch on the front that has a name stitched into it, which says uh, Juliet 5. 
and the and the five is in a Roman numeral and a different uh, color. Uh, basically, Juliet is in black, and like the the five is uh, in like a blue color. Okay. Um, can you make that with your hoodoo, Nim? Yeah. Um, zoom in on that badge for me, real quick. Zoom and enhance. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to cast fashion uh, at force one, but set the limit to seven with reagents. Sure. That's seven hits. Wow, Bumbles, I always thought that was a trid thing. I didn't think you could actually zoom and enhance like that. I'm very talented. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you make a very good recreation of that. Are you putting Juliet 5 as your name tag? You bet I am. All right. How old was that video? Uh, This is from like three years ago. Okay. I mean, I think we're going to take a risk either way. Because could, you know, do another number. It could be someone that's on the base right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the solution is in this scenario. This seems good enough. Maybe they'll just see Juliet and be very scared and walk the other way because she was unsociable and people didn't like interacting with her. <laughs> uh, Mouse, are you are you disguising yourself up? I know you have your synthetic arm, so it looks like a real arm. Um, yeah, and then uh, I have a wig. Okay. I'm going to go over and adjust Mouse's wig and help her with her disguise. Um, all right. Well, first off, you got to roll disguise. Oh. Uh, to make your wig look authentic and to probably, like, extra mask. Even though your arm has enhanced synth skin so it, like, looks and feels real, uh, you know, you, you still have, like, a hard point on your shoulder and stuff. You can mask that in case it matters, that kind of stuff. Okay. And any, like, scars you may have acquired being a Shadowrunner. <laughs> I only have the one from when I was shot by Bumbles. <laughs> That's uh, not true. But yeah, you can disguise a Nim if you want to assist her with that. You can. Seven hits. Okay. Three. All right, you get three more dice to roll, Nim. <laughs> Eight hits. No, it itches when you do that. I I know it's a little itchy, just, but it it was backwards. I'm just gonna. It's t- just, it's, it's all even. Just tug a little bit on this. Side. No, no, it, <laughs> tug it back. All right, and you, yeah, you, uh, you pin down her hair, make her hair look. It looks like she has blonde hair now. Her blue hair is completely disguised. Um, I would also like to cast fashion on Mouse. Sure, go ahead. We can't both be Juliet Five. Well, we know one other name. What Echo? Mm-hmm. I mean, do we really think Juliet Five and Echo are different people? Because E is the fifth letter of the alphabet. Does the woman from the training video is does that? Oh, the one from the training video in that video two years ago is too old to be Echo. Echo's almost thirty. This this woman is definitely mid thirties. Okay. Juliet five is definitely mid thirties two years ago. Echo would have been closer to Mouse's age two years ago. It's kind of all guesswork at this point. Yeah. What uh, I could be, Juliet ten. Maybe we just disguise Mouse as not a clone. That seems perhaps simpler. Yeah. I mean, it it maybe limits some options, but I would guess if I were building a secret base for making clones, I would have questions and want to talk to the clones I find walking around. And Mouse, you're very talented at a great many things, but answering people's questions when we're trying to be sneaky is not one of them. I am... okay at sneaking sometimes the physical aspect you are unparalleled in urban areas 
but I, I think maybe we're just better off hiding Mouse's identity here. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's probably best. Because we have no way of being able to confirm backstories like that. So we just make her another face in the crowd. That's one less problem we have. Yeah, I think I packed a, a brown wig, too. So, yeah, we can swap it out. Okay. All right, we'll maintain the same disguise role. You take some more time uh, setting up a new disguise for Mouse and putting on some prosthetics and making her not look like a clone. Uh, so now what? You guys have successfully disguised yourselves thoroughly. All right, I'm your bodyguard. Uh, Boomer points to Nim. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. We are... I say we all were accompanying you on some sort of expedition for something sciencey. I don't fragging know. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're running this one by the seat of our pants. What does the door look like? Is there like a keypad, or do I need to hack it? I think you would. Yeah, you need to hack it. There's no external t- keypad for you to like mess with it. It's supposed to be like when you make the seal, it basically asks for your authorization code. Okay. I'm going to jack into it and try to open it. Okay. I, I will position myself uh, right in front of the door. Sure. I'll position myself right next to her and look scary. Actually, these doors are these doors are linked to the security. Oh. Like as a security as uh, as you have three marks on the security host uh, from the last session. Um, you haven't dropped those yet, so you're able to suss out like what the authorization code is and punch it in. Okay. So you don't have to rehack. Boop 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> the hatch opens up and slides up, and uh, on the other side, you see a uh, medium-sized long hallway. It's got really really nice white floors, walls, and ceilings. Uh, kind of semi-warm lighting uh, right now, um, uh, kind of like daylight colored, and uh, there's plants like halfway down the hallway, uh, some random seats, uh, like white benches, uh, and uh, you actually hear just like the faintest kind of ambient music kind of playing, you know, nothing like creepy or weird, just kind of like pleasant music, you know. Just kind of like quietly uh, uh, playing throughout the halls on speakers. Oh. I'd like to ascend the hallway. Sure. Go ahead. That's three hits. All right. Uh, with three hits, you're able to recognize that all of the walls and floors of this uh, this hallway are protected with a permanent mana barrier. That is a force higher than your magic. Cool. Um, I'd also like to make sure to mask my aura before we set foot in there and make myself look mundane. Sure. That's easy enough. And then I'll head towards the elevator. Uh, yeah, so you guys walk in. Um, um, are there cameras? Uh, yes. You do see... You do see... All right, so then my... I'm going to tell Red Leader to watch the car. and just. Fumbles. Keep it safe. As you wish. And leave him and all of his friends and my friends there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dart or Boomer, can you put this data tap on one of those cameras without being seen? 
Boomer, if I may. If you'd like, yes. Uh, he snatches the uh, data tap out. Um, the the camera is about a little less than halfway down the hallway. Uh, there's a camera that points towards the hatch. We're like looking at you guys right now, and then there's a camera that points uh, down the hall. Uh, and Dart, like in a flash, like runs along the wall upwards towards the uh, uh, towards the camera, and like spins and like clips it on the bottom of the camera, and like drops down right beneath the two of them, and like presses his back up against the wall. And uh, it's uh, there's actually a potted plant there, and since he's a dwarf, he kind of actually <laughs> he kind of actually manages to to hide himself just a little bit behind that potted plant in case someone walks by at the end of the hallway. <laughs> And now you have a direct connection to that camera. Okay, cool. I would like to own it, please. Sure thing. Do you drop your marks on the uh, uh, on the security host? I guess I have to shut the door if that's the case. Because they'll notice it if it's oh, yeah. open. Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, you did mention that these are all Faraday cages. Yeah, so as soon as the door closes, you'll lose signal. So you don't have to drop it right now. Um, seven hits. All right, yeah. You get your three marks. And uh, you have access to the Project Zoria security host. Okay. Uh, it is a rating 12 host, almost identical to the security suite of the external defenses. Neat, neat, neat. Um, okay. Can I look around um, and see what's what's here, what I have access to? I, I have access to this camera. Can I loop this camera? All right. Uh, with this, you do get... Um, you do get context to the floor plan. Okay. Um, uh, you you have a pretty good map of the, the top three levels. Surprisingly, the security suite doesn't have anything on the fourth floor either. Um, but uh, there are limited cameras. They seem to only be in the hallways. It doesn't seem like any of the rooms have cameras. Okay. Um, uh, go ahead and roll the matrix. Perce- are you going into the host, by the way, or...? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so go ahead and roll Matrix Perception and Sleaze and Logic for me yes. when you get in there. Um, and while you're rolling that, I'll tell you what else you get from the blueprints. Because um, at the very least, you'll see these before you get attacked by whatever's in there. Who knows? But um, so level one is labeled housing and education. The north quadrant is early, is labeled early stage housing. Uh, it seems to be mostly like dormitories and uh, and like larger rooms and stuff. Um, a lot of sleeping quarters. It seems like. Uh, then the east section is called the education center. Um, it has uh, what seems to be like classrooms. It's almost like a large school there. Uh, and then the south quadrant, which is where you guys are, is the. Uh, programmable biofeedback assist suite um, which seems to have a a bunch of like labs and stuff in it uh, which you assume have a bunch of those PAB units Uh, and then the west quadrant is the detention center um, which has similar to like uh, as far as the floor plan looks it looks like a bunch of dormitories but you assume are cells (laughs) and then level 2 is the advanced training and security level the north of that is the internal security suite. The east quadrant of that is operative training center A. The south being operative training center B. Uh, 
and the west quadrant is the adolescent test chamber. And then level three is labeled as administration and science. Uh, the north section is called admin housing. The floor plan to that looks like a mansion. Uh, the east quadrant is the primary la laboratory. The south is the secondary laboratory. And the west section is called cold storage. Uh, and then level four is labeled as classified. But you can confirm that that elevator that um, Bumble saw is the only way to access level four. Otherwise, it seems like all other four <clears throat> elevators in this base connect to the top three levels. Okay. Um, what did you get on your perception test? Seven. And what did you get on your sleaze test? Nine. All right. Um, you are able to see two spiders, uh, two, the persona of two other people in this, uh, in this host with you, as well as a probe ice, black ice, tracker, um, and link lock. And you have control of the camera, so if you want to roll an editing test to make you guys disappear, right now you are standing in the hallway with the camera pointing at you. Which basically all this happened in the span of like two seconds, basically. The door opened up, Dart grabbed the data tap, ran and clipped it, and then Mouse is now editing. So you guys have only been on the camera feed for about two seconds. Also seven for the edit test. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you erase you guys from the camera, um, and you can keep doing that as you guys move from camera to camera. Um, Am I operating at a minus two for that? Remember, everything you do is at a plus two against Evo. Right, which just negates my fear of the black eyes. Okay, yeah. So yeah, now you're operating at a minus two because okay. you, are, you are distracted. Got it. So uh, you managed to pull that off. Um, you guys step in and shut the hatch behind you. It's up to you, Bumbles. You're the one... Who will lose contact with... I mean, I trust Red Leader to keep the submachine safe. If need be, I can open the hatch again. Good to know. Red Leader says he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know if anything occurs. How? By opening the hatch and contacting you. That makes sense. <laughs> of we, course, Bumbles. We're just... I'm so glad we're on the same page. Yeah, you can close the hatch. <laughs> I close it. Goodbye. Goodbye, Bumbles. And good luck. <laughs> uh, you lose connection to Red Leader and the submazine, um, and Mouse, you lose your marks on the external security host, um, but you are now tapped into the internal security host with lots of marks, and it uh, doesn't seem like the two spiders or the probe have noticed you. And uh, you also see that the security suite has control of several uh, rail drones that can pop out of the ceiling uh, that run on tracks throughout all the hallways. Um, interestingly, the security suite, like I said, doesn't have much information on what's going on inside the, uh, inside the different rooms. Mm -hmm. it, seems like, uh, it seems like probably everything in those rooms is wired and not wireless. Um, so the only thing that's like wireless and connected to this large host is everything in the hallway, basically. Um, and like the elevators also looking through the cameras with your matrix perception, uh, you're able to get a glance of everything. You do see some movement. You see some movement, uh, in the education center. Like, uh, you actually see a lot of movement in the education center. You see a bunch of what looks like, uh, Sierra aged 
you you see a bunch of little Sierras, basically <laughs> a ton of Sierras, uh, seeming to move. Um, they have uh, they have like little book bags and like data pads, and they're moving uh, like from one classroom to another, basically. Um, and that's all happening in the education center. You also see them supervised by what looks like uh, at least one adult uh, clone. Um, everyone is wearing jumpsuits like what Nim has. Uh, and uh, you also see some movement uh, in the early stage housing. Uh, it seems like one kid like went back to go get something, um, uh, escorted by another adult clone. That clone is very old. <laughs> not, like, very, very old. She's not, like, ancient. But, like, so far you've seen a lot of clones that are, like, 20, 30 years old, something like that. And then you've seen, like, the, the children. Uh, this is the oldest clone you've seen. She's at, like, 40-something. Um, and she's escorting that one back to what is probably her housing to grab something. Um, and, again, still, jumpsuits across the board. Um, and then you... Final thing you see is movement out of the detention center. Uh, you see three clones escorting one clone who is actually, um, uh, she's not restrained or anything, but she's obviously under guard. Actually, two of the clones are armed, uh, and are walking with her. The two that are armed seem maybe a little bit younger than you. They're actually like 18 years old, maybe. Uh, and then the one that is not armed, but seems to be leading the group away from the detention center uh, is a little bit older than you, like mid-30s. Mid-30s? What names do they have on their jumpsuits? Zooming in and enhancing, <laughs> uh, you see that the two armed ones are November 10 and Foxtrot 10. The older clone that's escorting that one student, uh, her label is Charlie 2. Um, and then the one that is like watching the kids as they move from one classroom to the next is India 6. And the one that is uh, uh, leading the group from the detention center is Charlie 6. And the one who is very clearly being escorted away from the detention center is Echo 8. And they seem to be heading towards where you guys are. Not like where, like where you are, where you are. They don't seem to be heading... I mean, you can't really tell. But They're like, heading to our quadrant. Your quadrant, yeah, yeah. They're heading towards the southern quadrant. And everyone has been clones. Everyone has been clones, and everyone is wearing a jumpsuit. So we look a little out of place here. Everyone but Nim. <laughs> Great. Are we sure we don't want Mouse to look like herself? I don't know. This whole place seems fucking creepy and weird. Maybe we just steal the mystical artifact of unimaginable power and just call it a day. Yeah, let's, let's move. I don't know how to do a prison break on this scale. Where are you, where are you guys heading to? The elevator. The special elevator. Okay. No, we're heading to... The, we, yeah, we you, have, we, get, you have to get to the third level, it. and then the third level connects. Got it. Only right. the administration and science level has access to the fourth. Uh, there's two elevators. There's one that is on the border between the programmable assist biofeedback suite that you guys are uh, in and the detention center. And uh, the other is in between you guys and the education center. I think we go towards the education center one. I'm all for avoiding the Evo operative who tried to have us kidnapped slash maybe murdered a few times. How does everyone feel about that? I'll take your silence as agreed. agreed. <laughs> <laughs> but what if they're going to hurt her? Mouse, I, I don't think 
we can worry about her right now. I think we've got other priorities and then we can see what else we can do. What if we like rescue her and then she helps us and then we're maybe friends? I like your optimism, but I, I don't think she that's how... She was friends with Dart once, right? Nice. Right, Dart? All right, everyone can roll a perception test for me. That's two hits. Two hits. Four hits. You all look to where Dart was hiding, and he's not there. <laughs> Great. Uh, Mouse, looking on your camera feed, you actually see that he has moved into the view of the cameras and is moving his way to intercept Echo. And he responds to your question going, at one time, yes, I came here for her. Good. They'll be distracted. I edit him out of the feed. Okay. Uh, Mouse, your timer actually goes off, letting you know that it's, it's, uh, it's been 15 minutes. It also went off a couple other times. You saw it yeah. creep up, but um, you haven't seen it since basically you entered the base. Uh, so um, it goes off telling you it's been 15 minutes. And you see that your Overwatch score is 35. Shit. Which strikes you as strange. Wait, yeah. What? Due to the way the Matrix works, you shouldn't, you should have a, uh, a convergence right now. The host should be aware of you, but it's not. Um, I guess I drop my marks and reboot. Okay, uh, you can get the marks again. It's easy enough to get the camera. Uh, just roll another sleaze test and another edit test. Those are the two important ones. Okay. Uh, and as D'Artagnan makes his way toward, uh, to intercept Echo, he's like, if you four don't want to come with me, I understand, but this is something I have to do. I'm glad you understand. <laughs> oh, he'll be all right. Plus, that'll be a good distraction. We can smash and grab the Fountain of Youth or whatever they, if I can call it. And then we can go assist if needed. Extract. Um, seven on my sleaze test. Okay. And what about your edit test? Five on the edit test. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you pop back into the host real quick. You don't seem to get spotted by either of the spiders. Uh, the probe is has already scanned the area of the, the matrix that you, like, popped into, so it hasn't made it back around. It's a large enough host. It's going to take it a while. Um, and, uh, then you're able to really quickly re-edit. So D'Artagnan only appeared on the screens for about two seconds again. Okay. But we can see the, the actual feed. Yes. Okay. And you see, uh, you see D'Artagnan is, uh, is getting closer to where Echo is. Where are you guys going? Towards the elevator between, um, the PAB and the education center. education center. Okay. So you guys head down that way. Go ahead and roll stealth for me. I got four. I also got four. I got four, too. I got two. I feel pretty good about it, all things considered. Okay. Uh, yeah, you guys move down the hallway as a team. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, left turn, right turn, left turn. Uh, you're zigzagging through the halls. Um, and uh, on your camera feed, Mouse, you actually see uh, the elevator light up. And the doors open, and out steps a clone, which on the camera feeds you can see is identified as Juliet 5. Uh, and she has with her two uh, clones that are also armed. Uh, they seem about your age, Mouse, uh, and they are marked as Sierra 9 and Lima 9. Um, and they start moving their way towards the detention center, towards where you guys are. 
and uh, and you you do manage you do manage to like duck into one of the uh, one of the rooms because it's like each it seems like each P uh, PAB suite has about six chairs in it. Um, and so there's a few of them scattered around, around the station. Um, you pop into one that seems to have smaller chairs. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, and, uh, you, you know, all duck in there and Boomer closes the door nice and quiet. And, uh, you hear as Juliet five and, uh, Juliet five, Sierra nine and Lima nine walk by. And, uh, as they do, you hear one of them go, what's going to become of her, sir? And uh, the other one goes, well, that depends on how, uh, how she does on the tests. Last time she convinced us, so we'll have to be extra scrupulous. That's all you hear as they walk by. While we're in the classroom, I'd like to palm a trank patch up my sleeve. Uh, so you're palming, uh, you're, you're making it so you have a trank patch ready? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and you hear the footsteps move away and you see them uh, converging on where Echo seems to be being led and D'Artagnan is... In the middle, kind of getting in position. Okay, so we go to the elevator then, away from all that. Sure. You guys pop out, and you start sneaking your way towards the elevator. And uh, as you're getting to the elevator, you see um, Echo's already been led into a room, so you can't see what's going on with her. And uh, uh, you see Juliet 5 and her two escorts heading uh, into the same room. And... um, as you're like getting right to the elevator, uh, you see D'Artagnan slip out from like a hiding spot and start approaching that door. And uh, Mouse, you have control of the elevator, so you can pop it open. It 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 opens. Okay. We get in, unless it's awful in there. Is it just a normal elevator? It's just a normal elevator. <laughs> Great. I'm wary of it, but we get in. <laughs> <laughs> what's in as as we're heading down to the next level? What's on the outside of? Of the next level, like outside of this elevator. We're going to head all the way down to level three. Yeah. Yeah. You start heading down towards level three. Uh, you're going to be emerging in the secondary laboratory. Uh, you do see uh, just a little bit of movement. There's not that much. Um, as far as the administrative level, there's there's no movement really going on in those halls. Um, it really seems like it's just one hall that passes by. It's like not that many halls in the administrative level, actually, because whatever housing is there is obviously very big. Um, and then you don't see any movement really in the cold storage. Uh, and then, uh, you also don't see any movement in the secondary laboratory, which is where you're going to come out at. So you got that going for you. Uh, but you do see movement in the primary lab hallways as one lab door opens and someone moves from one side to the next. Uh, that one, that person is not a clone and she's not wearing a jumpsuit. Uh, she's wearing a, uh, lab coat. Okay. But there's nobody outside, directly outside this elevator? No. Okay, cool. She's not a vampire, is she? I've met one Evo scientist. I mean, it's not Penelope Green. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so the elevator door is open, and we immediately step out of the elevator. Sure. <laughs> uh, we go to the super secret special elevator that goes to the oh. classified town. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the, the elevator that leads to the fourth floor is, uh, uh, is in the West section. So it's right by cold storage. Um, and, uh, you guys start heading that way. Um, you sneak through the secondary lab. Uh, you do see some, some movement, um, as someone steps out of the secondary laboratory, 
um, like one of the labs in that in the in that section. Um, I need everyone to roll a sneaking test for me. That's four hits. I got two hits. Two hits. Four. All right. You see, as a clone steps out, um, she is uh, eighteen years old. It seems like uh, she has a badge that says Echo Ten. She uh, uh, steps out from one lab and starts walking your guys' way. You pop into one of the labs, and uh, it it seems like she's heading towards the lab you guys hid in. Not because like she heard you or anything. It just happens to be that's where she her destination is. I'm gonna step out of that lab. Okay. In full view of her. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, you all pop in. You see her coming up, and then uh, uh, there's like a moment of hesitation, and then Nim opens the door, walks out, shuts the door behind her, and uh, Echo Ten sees you, and uh, you see her eyes very quickly flit down to your badge, uh, and then she goes, "Oh, yes, sir. Is the reprogramming of uh, Echo Eight already completed?" Yes, you are very late. I'm sorry, sir. Did you not receive the updated schedule? Or can you just not read? <laughs> Go ahead and roll con. The good old mean boss trick. <laughs> That's five hits. She stammers for a second. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, I, 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 I did not receive the, uh, the updated schedule. Um, I, I was still under the impression that Sierra 9 and Lima 9 were, uh, were accompanying you for that. I'm, I'm terribly sorry, sir. I, I, I beg for your forgiveness. Yes. Well, don't beg. Just get on with it. Get upstairs. They need you up there. Uh, yes. Uh, right away. Uh, uh, right away, sir. The light of life accepts you. And immediately when you hear that mouse, uh, without thinking and without any, any chance of like stopping yourself or anything, you say it quietly enough so that it doesn't like go through the door, but you respond immediately, unhesitatingly. You say, "Evo is life." <laughs> you're, you're, do, you, I, do I hear her over the DNA? Yes. Evo is life. And uh, she nods and walks off. And uh, Mouse, the the room around you starts fading, uh, like the corners of your vision start going black, and you start to feel a little woozy. You actually drop down to like your knees, and. Uh, and there's like a flood of like memories that like shoot into your brain, like almost violently. So, first thing you you immediately remember is that that is a code phrase that is used frequently throughout this base, uh, because any clone who has been deprogrammed will forget it. So if any clone and like it's not even like a thing that you do when you're suspicious, you just do it all the time. And then if you ever if someone doesn't respond, Evo is life, then you know they've been deprogrammed and they've been compromised. So you, you drop down your knees, you, you recognize that, and then the room you're in uh, fades and uh, you get a flash. Um, and you're eight years old, but you know you're not eight years old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your, your body may be eight years old, but you've only been alive for six years. Uh, you are strapped into a chair in the... Uh, in, the in a PAB unit, you have uh, a line in through your data jack that was given to you at age one, um, uh, which is constantly upgraded as you grow, uh, and uh, you're being shown uh, basically the Evo message 
telling you, you know, like Evo's acceptance and, uh, and like showing you how great Evo is for the world and how it's going to change the world for the better. And it's going to make man, it's going to, you know, integrate all the races and make them all better and, and so on. Uh, uh, you know, the, the true like propaganda of the evolution movement. Uh, there's like one point where, uh, like, you know, it, it's intercut with like questions asking you like, who do you, who do you prefer? Like, and it shows you a bunch of different people and you choose one and it's wrong and you get zapped with biofeedback damage. And that memory fades away um, as you hear a voice saying, you have to do better, Juliet. Uh, and uh, then you're uh, kind of in your teens and you're uh, sitting in the education uh, chamber and uh, you see one girl cheating on her test, peeking at another girl, and you immediately stand up and, and call out to the teacher uh, and, uh, which there's actually no physical teacher there. There's just like a hologram, uh, uh, like hologram clone, uh, talking to you and you immediately, uh, uh, out the girl. And, uh, two seconds later, two clones around 18 years old, come in and grab her and take her, take her out. And, uh, you're rewarded. Uh, and then that memory fades away. And, um, uh, then you're, you're in a, uh, what seems like kind of like a gym class. You're a little bit older now. Uh, um, kind of like almost mid teens. Uh, and you're in some kind of like, uh, gym class, it looks like, and you're like running, uh, alongside a bunch of other girls. And it seems like it's not a race, but you think it's a race. You, you treat it as a race. And one girl starts to pull ahead of you and you elbow her out of the way, uh, like jabbing your elbow in and she trips up and falls down and you just leave her in the dust and, uh, you make it through and, uh, the, the clone at the end, um, uh, clocks your time. And, uh, and she goes, very good, Juliet, you're in good standing. And, um, uh, a little bit later you see, uh, uh, a room full of girls, all your age, all look exactly like you. And, uh, they are listing off names, uh, and everyone whose name gets listed, uh, gets pulled out of the room and they, they like seem a little confused, but you know, you know, you're never going to see those girls again. And then the ones that remain, they're like, very good. You may continue your training. Then you uh, get a flash of being like 18 years old, roughly, and uh, you're doing combat training, it looks like. And uh, uh, one, one girl, uh, the girl who's training you, is uh, uh, like makes a move against you and uh, tries to trip you under. But you see it coming. You actually like grab her, her arm, spin her around, and dislocate her shoulder, pushing her to the ground. And, uh, everyone's, everyone's like shocked. This girl's a little bit older than you. Uh, she's not like in your age range. There's a couple other girls who are your age range. And then a couple of them are training with real people. Uh, there's only one other person, the age of the girl, you just slammed to the ground and, uh, uh, you stand up and like, she looks up at you like almost horrified. And, um, uh, someone, someone, uh, you see on the other side of the, the training hall, there's an old lady Older than Charlie, too, um, and she's not wearing a jumpsuit like everyone else. She's not labeled. She's just wearing nice clothes. She's like 50-something, and she looks like how you would look when you were 50. And uh, she raises an eyebrow and then, like, leaves the room. And uh, someone goes to the girl that you've, uh, you've knocked down. You show, like, you don't even help her up. You just go to, like, you know, hydrate as she like stands up and like a medic comes over and, uh, someone's like, uh, how did that happen? Echo. And like helps her out. Um, 
Uh, and then like another trainer comes up to you and says, you can take the rest of the day off. Good job. And uh, you feel like the sense of pride as you move along. Uh, and then uh, you actually flash into a memory of, uh, of you uh, sitting in an office across the table from that older lady. And uh, she, she leans uh, to you and goes, what does Evo mean to you? And you're like, Evo is life. And she's like, spare me. What does it mean to you? And you like, kind of seem confused for a second. And you go, Evo is home. It's, it's what I'm meant to, where I'm meant to be. It's, it's me. And uh, she smiles and she goes, you're cleared for active duty, Juliet. Then you're laying on the ground in the room with everyone else. A little bit of a nosebleed and a headache. And, uh, yeah, all of you just saw, like, Mouse collapse to the ground. Oh, frag Mouse. Crap, 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 crap. <laughs> as soon as the clone is out of sight, I will dart back into the room. I was horrible. What? <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I was horrible. I was... Wait, what do you... You remember your past? Some of it. I don't remember what happened, but I remember being here. And I was horrible. I was, and then they killed all those girls. Well, you're wonderful now, and we need you back on your feet. Can no. you can you walk around? Yeah, none of us can do computers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I'm sorry. It's Ma- just a headache. I'll no, Mouse. It's it's not just a headache, but we all saw that video. We all saw the programmable biofeedback assist. The programmable assist biofeedback that training that all of the clones go through. I mean, you weren't horrible on purpose. You didn't have a choice. They programmed it into you. No, I, I mean, yes, they, but also no. <laughs> I was, I, I can't explain it. I was just, I was bad so I would live. Well, you don't need to explain it. You're, you're a good person now and that's what matters. I wipe the blood out from under my nose. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a flowing. It's just like a little, like, it bled for like a second. Yeah. Um, uh, crap. And I look around the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you looking for in the Matrix? Well, I guess if if there's anything going outside of that on outside of that room upstairs, and then also if there's still a clear way to the um, elevator. Yeah. There's still a clear way to the elevator leading to the fourth floor. When you look at the camera feed for the first level, you actually see movement in the hallways, uh, fast movement. And uh, you see um, D'Artagnan burst out of that room, uh, followed by Echo. And D'Artagnan is bleeding heavily through, like, a a giant gaping wound in, like, his, his abdomen. Oh, no. And uh, he, like, stumbles into the wall, smearing blood against it. And uh, uh, Echo, like, shuts the door behind him. And uh, he pops back into the DNI. And he's like, what's your guys' 20? Uh, We're in route. Let's go. Wait, what? No, we're not. Listen, this is a very bad place. We're five, maybe six. Let's call it five and a half people here. Two, that's not a knock against you for being short, it's for being very wounded. Um, (laughs) The thing we can do is steal the Fountain of Youth so they can't keep doing this. That's what we can accomplish. He's like, so 
Western elevator, third floor then. Yep. All right. And he, uh, he like reaches up and like echo puts, uh, his arm, uh, around her, uh, and she slings, a uh, like a bag up on her shoulder that she seems to have removed from that room that she was in. And, uh, she reaches into it and pulls out, uh, a deck. Um, it's not a Fairlight Paladin or anything like that. Um, it's actually a little bit worse than your deck mouse. It's like a Hermes chariot. It looks a little beat up that uh, she slips it like into her jumpsuit and starts, um, uh, like pressing buttons in her AR with one hand as she like guides um, Dart towards the other, and uh, Dart D'Artagnan's like, I, uh, they didn't get word out or anything, but just keep us off the cameras, and we should have enough time. Maybe, I'm sorry. Okay. And uh, yeah, they get to the elevator um, between the detention center and the PAB suite, and uh, they climb in, and uh, without you assisting them, Mouse. Uh, you see Echo press a couple buttons and the elevator moves down. As you guys make your way towards the uh, elevator leading to the fourth level, you kind of get there around the same time that D'Artagnan and Echo get there because they have a little bit of a head start on you because they're at the closer uh, elevator. And uh, D'Artagnan looks bad. He's like, his face is super pale. He's lost a lot of blood. Uh, Echo is struggling to keep him up. Uh, And she... (laughs) She turns to you, Nim, and goes, Mouse, can you help him? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wait, what? Oh, Mouse. (laughs) We're very good at our jobs. (laughs) Uh, Echo Echo kind of drops D'Artagnan down, uh, like, on his knees right in front of you, and, like, kind of steps back and looks warily at the rest of you, like she's not sure exactly what you're going to do. And she goes, you're going down to level four. Yeah. And she, like, kind of sits there for a second, and you can kind of see her eyes, like, flitting around. Uh, and then she, like, goes, I, d- I, don't, think, I don't think you're ready. I- I'm not 100% sure what the security is down there, but I- I've gleaned one thing, and it can only be accessed by a member of the Triumvirate. Oh? Yeah, a, a member of the Triumvirate. Either uh, uh, Hamada Kenji, Amelia, or Elena Trembley. Uh, the- as far as I know, there's some kind of security feature down there that only allows them to access it. Safely. So you're suggesting we break back into the super secret Evo black site at the bottom of a lake after we break one of their folks out of it? No, no. Um, at least one of them should be here, if not two of them. Uh, Kenji, oh, okay. Let's go kidnap him. Yeah, Kenji's, Kenji's rarely ever here. But uh, uh, Mouse, I assume you have access to the camera feeds, yes? Uh-huh. Have you seen um, an older woman who looks like us, uh, about 50 or 60 years old? Um, uh, she usually dresses very nicely. Have you seen her walking around? No, I haven't seen her. Okay. Um, what about um, uh, another woman? Uh, she'd be wearing a lab coat, uh, dark hair. Oh, the scientist? Uh, yes, that would be Elena Trembley. She's one of the triumvirate. Yeah, she's in there, actually. Uh, and she goes, all right, you tend, you tend to uh, uh, D'Artagnan. Boomer, Nim, with me. And she starts moving down the hall. Wait, wait. Uh, <laughs> hold on. And she stops and all she right. turns to you and she goes, do you want to get out of here alive or not? All right, but I'll, I'll come with. But you got some explaining to do. I'll explain on the way down to the fourth floor or way through fourth floor if we make it that far. Let's go. <laughs> I got eight hits with my med kit. Uh, yeah, you start patching up D'Artagnan real good. So how how bad does he look now? Well, it takes you a little bit to patch him up. Right. Um, but it seems like he's like 
He's looking pretty good. He's still like hurting, but like you really, really patch him up, and it's like it's a it's a bit of a a, a pat like a sloppy job because you're doing it so quickly. But like he's not bleeding out anymore. Doesn't seem like he's in danger. Uh, what you do notice on the camera feed is um, Echo Ten moving towards the room that Echo Eight was going to be reprogrammed in, presumably. And she's a little bit, she's not too far from where, uh, where the blood splatter is and the room, which probably has unconscious or dead people in it. Right. While we're here and I'm not doing anything, I'm going to build a shape charge to collapse an elevator shaft. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Go ahead and roll demolitions. That's six hits. Okay. Yeah, it's going to take you some time. But basically, while, while Mouse is patching up D'Artagnan, you're, you open up your pack and you start uh, putting together a bomb to blow up an elevator shaft. <laughs> Meanwhile, Echo, Nim, and um, uh, Boomer, you guys are moving down. Uh, uh, Echo leads for a minute and then falls back and like uh, lets you guys take the lead because you presumably know where you're heading. Uh, she just assumed like primary lab, but she doesn't know like what room Elena Trembley's working in right now yeah i'll head towards the door uh that we saw her go into and i'll have my rifle ready uh yeah you guys get to the door easily enough uh and like echo like puts her back against it and like looks at you guys like like nodding and being like non-verbally communicating like this is the one i will nod back at her i also do the uh point to my eyes and point to her i slap boomer's hand uh you Nim, you notice Echo slightly smile at that, but then she like goes back to like being business, and like she taps you on the shoulder and like kind of gestures to you and like what you're wearing and what you look like and like points in. I'll raise my hand as if to knock and kind of look at her. And she like Great. she goes no. <laughs> I will open the door and just walk in. You you, uh, you walk in and um, uh, you see uh, it's a lab. It's a very very sophisticated lab. Um, and, uh, there's, uh, the woman, uh, in the lab coat with short, dark hair, uh, uh, is looking through a magnifying glass or something and her head raises, uh, to see you and she goes, is it done already then? Is there anyone else in the lab? Uh, no, it's just her. Uh, great. I will nod and say, yes, we have it all taken care of and walk over to her. All right, then make yourself useful. Go, uh, go grab some gloves. We're going to, uh, we're going to put the sample in. Yes, sir. And then I will hit her with this trank patch. All right. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and roll con to see if uh, if she if she buys uh, like it's more about like subtle movement mostly. Like you'll you'll get her if you don't telegraph, but if you telegraph, then she's gonna see it coming. That's five hits. Uh, you go, you go to Trank Patcher, you kind of palm the Trank Patch, you go to walk by her, um, and right as you're like raising up the arm, uh, she smacks you with the, uh, with the telescope. Go ahead and roll a, uh, uh, dodge test. Two hits. All right. She actually hits you with it. Uh, so you're going to be resisting seven, uh, stun damage, no modifier to your armor. Uh, as she picks up this microscope, like almost like in a flash sees you like she seems to have like seen or sensed or something you like raising the trank patch and she smacks you with it um boomer she does turn her back to the door doing so grab and jab <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> 
right, I'm Boomer, res- roll right. a stealth test for me. See if she hears you coming. How much am I resisting? Seven. Two. I soaked all that damage, you guys. Nice. <laughs> That's great. Nice. Boomer, she, she, uh, as soon as she smacks uh, Nim, uh, Nim, you get hit, but it doesn't, it doesn't like hurt you. Uh, you kind of like raise your arm up, and your and your uh, your jumpsuit is actually made from the fabric of your armored trench coat, so it actually soaks up a lot of the blow. You get stumbled back against uh, one of the de- the desks, knocking over like a beaker, uh, and um, it shatters. And then, uh, like Boomer, you start making your way up. You pull out like a thing of narco jet, and you move in. And uh, uh, she sees you coming and turns, uh, you can make an unarmed combat test to, uh, to jab her. So I have two options here. I can edge it and get it over with. Actually, yeah, because she's going to call for help. I'm going to edge this. I got six. She does seem to turn. You're like, holy shit, she heard me. Uh, you, like, dart forward trying to stab her, like, uh, uh, with this uh, needle. She rolls out of the way at first, but then, like, you're much larger than she is. So, like, she can't get out of your uh, range, and she's wearing a lab coat. So you grab onto the lab coat and pull her back and then stab the needle into her neck, press the syringe. She claws at you a little bit, uh, and then she falls to one knee and then falls forward and smacks her face against one of the uh, uh, countertops. And uh, there's a spark when she does and she falls down on the ground and you see uh her cyber nose uh broke when she uh at the impact and she's unconscious <laughs> i laugh in character <laughs> nim you all right yeah i'm just yeah i'm fine i'm gonna walk over and immediately put my hand on her before she does so i look at it and give her a little kick not too hard not trying to hurt her just that was for you nim <laughs> really fine boomer I, I appreciate it though uh mouse or echo echo steps in sees that elena seems to have been neutralized doesn't seem faced at all by by nims slowly turning into her um and uh she um is pressing something in her ar and she's like uh she's like or she goes good work and now about echo 10 Never liked her, uh, and she presses she presses a, a couple a couple buttons, and she goes, "Mouse, I need to time this perfectly. Do you have Do you have access to the rail guns?" Yes. All right. There's one lo- There's one located right around where uh, where Echo Ten is moving towards. Uh, are you prepared to fire it on my mark? Um, I look at Bumbles. We're in an Evo black site about to steal the fountain of youth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she like, as you say, yeah, hesitantly, she goes, I understand your hesitance, but unfortunately she's not one that can be saved. And, uh, uh, she goes, all right, Mark. And, uh, you hear as, um, the bell rings in the education center, uh, uh, presumably by echo forcing it to ring. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, uh, you drop, you drop down the turret and shoot Echo 10. Yes. Can Kraplin help me with this? No, he doesn't have the gunnery skill. Can I? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in that, in that split second before, um, uh, before she says Mark, you could ask, uh, uh, Mouse to give you control of the turret. Yeah. If you're uncomfortable with this, I can handle it. 
Alright, you send the you send the controls to this turret over to uh, Bumbles. Bumbles, you uh, grab onto a little AR display of a turret, pull it down, and it drops out from the ceiling. Uh, and uh, uh, it has like a little like AR window in front of you where you see Echo 10 uh, hurriedly walking, and you see just for a second as, uh, as she seems to notice the blood smear on the wall, and then shoom, the turret drops down, and she like stumbles back. Uh, what'd you roll on Gunry? Uh, that's three hits. Uh, Mouse, you're going to want to roll edit to make sure this doesn't seem like it's actually happening. <laughs> Sure. Because the sensors will show that a, a firearm has been charged otherwise, or shot otherwise. And uh, you just one single shot, just it's like a fully automatic turret, but you just shoot one shot to try and minimize the sound, and uh, it hits her uh, in the lung, and like she can't like shout out, and then she falls down dead like a second later. Great. I fold the turret back up into the ceiling. That should buy us a little bit of time. Echo says. I got four hits on my edit. Uh, yeah, you, you wipe that. Uh, roll a sleaze test for me. Um, six. All right. Uh, you see the, the probe ice, uh, like zipping around, looking at everything. Uh, it actually just goes right by you. Uh, and, um, then one of the, uh, spiders kind of goes and seems to be like checking, some of the monitors and like, especially the area that you just like the, the gun controls. Uh, so the, the persona, uh, for this one looks like you guessed it, a clone. Uh, <laughs> um, she goes, uh, walking up towards you and kind of stands there and like, uh, crosses her arms and looks at all the feeds and you as your little mouse, uh, icon just kind of like scurry in between her uh, her legs and away from uh, those data streams. Uh, and with that, um, Nim, you've assumed the identity of Elena Trembley, uh, and um, uh, Echo is starting to make her way back. Uh, D'Artagnan is climbing to his feet, uh, and he kind of like uses his like sword as like a crutch to like push himself up, and he's like kind of like holding himself up, and he like shakes his head, and he goes, ah. They're the stems. Good. All right. Thank you, Mouse. Yeah. I wasn't going to let you die. Uh, and the team reconvenes, um, and you just got to go, um, you just got to go through a door to actually get to where the elevator is. I also want to cast fashion to mimic her clothes. Sure. Just sure. go ahead and cast Not that. be in a jumpsuit. Sure. Um, as, uh, as that happens and her, the fabric of her jumpsuit starts to change into a, uh, into a coat, uh, you guys step through, uh, this sealed door. Um, it like has a, like a handle. It's a bit of a thicker door than everything else. And you have to turn the handle and it like hisses and you slide it open and it's super cold inside. Uh, and, uh, you walk in, it's kind of like a dimly lit, it's kind of got like blue, dim lighting as you walk through and you see uh in bubbling tanks all up and down uh this room uh there's a bunch of what looks like infants like one-year-olds uh floating in tanks uh they i mean they're babies so they don't look like mouse necessarily but some of them do have like wispy blonde hair creepy what the frag four hits no drain Nice. Yeah, you'd say there's about 30 of them in this room. That's weird. I continue on and hope everyone follows me. Yeah, Echo's right there with you. <laughs> uh, and they're like, you know, 
the cold starting to get to you guys a little bit and you get to the like big uh, uh, door that is the uh, the main elevator leading down to the fourth level. Is there a, a keypad or a fingerprint scanner, uh, eye scanner? Yeah, so you walk up and you, you kind of examine the door. Uh, there is a biometric scanner. Um, you, you walk up and it goes, um, uh, identify. Elena Trembley. Uh, go ahead and roll impersonation. That's six hits. Welcome, Dr. Trembley. Please place your finger on the pad. I will put my thumb on the pad. Okay. And then it goes, please breathe into the sensor for DNA analysis. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it sits there for a second. Processing. Processing. Bing! You're free to enter. And the door opens up. We'll walk into the elevator. Uh, So you all climb into the elevator, and it starts moving down slowly. Um, And it's all kind of standing there. And uh, Echo finally, like, seems to, like, relax enough to, like, lean up against the wall and, like, take a breath. And goes, so, you mentioned answers. Yeah. Number one, thank you for your help. (laughs) Number two, why are you helping us? I remember correctly, it was you that tried to kill one of my friends, kidnap another, and then all of a sudden you saved Dot, who I assume tried to kill you, and I'm plenty confused here. Uh, D'Artagnan um, kind of chuckles and he goes, to be honest, I wasn't sure what I was going to do when I found her. And uh, uh, Echo like nods and goes... Mouse, you remember nothing, right? I remember a little now. This this cloning program has multiple uses, from what I can tell, but uh, one of the more simple uh, operations is um, field testing of the clones via corporate espionage. The girls that aren't cold... Uh, during the developing process or during the the developmental years are released as operatives under the watch of a Simon, um, a strategical information managing and network agent um, tied directly to Evo under the uh, strict control of Hadama Kenji, uh, a CEO of Evo's. That is the only legitimate tie to Evo this base has But I guess I need to go back further. Mouse, you were the best of the clones. I wasn't lying when I said you were the poster child of the project. Uh, They thought that they might... They they thought they might have been able to solve their problem with you. But they weren't certain. And I'm not sure what happened to you. You went out on a job. Something went sideways. And you got hit with what should have been a lethal dose of biofeedback. Your Simon was ordered to uh, terminate you and bring your body back so that samples could be collected. And he went rogue and got you out of there. However, he managed to make it seem like he was unable to recover the body. And he was able to operate for a little while longer until he went rogue again to save another, uh, Sierra 12. He never came back, so I don't know what happened to him, but I assume... If he was still alive, you would know more. And that's, uh, that was a saving grace for me. 
like I said before, you were my competition. Uh, if you had, uh, if you had continued to be as successful, I would have been permanently retired at age 30. Uh, only six clones get to live beyond age 30. The best clones. Uh, you may have seen a couple of them. D'Artagnan took care of a couple of them, too. <laughs> uh, I was sent out to track you down. They wanted to, they, After your Simon turned out to uh, be a rogue agent, they thought that maybe he had hid you somewhere and that you were going to act against the program. Um, they wanted you to prevent that, and uh, at the very least, they wanted to recover you for samples because your Simon, ever a diligent one, destroyed all the samples when he went rogue for that Sierra. So only one of the batches, not even one that's been fully processed, has any, uh, any frac- or has some fractions of your genetic, sam- genetic samples. Not enough to make up your whole genetic code. Apparently, your code, this is going to sound crazy, but maybe not, given what you've been saying, is the key to accessing the full power of the Fountain of Youth. Oh. You see, I, when, I, uh, when I was out there, I was given more free reign than any other clone. I was, uh, I was allowed to integrate with Shadowrunners. Uh, up until then, every operative had been uh, a solo agent, only in contact with their Marks and their Simon, strictly uh, observed at all times. They trusted me enough to let me integrate with the larger society as a whole. Uh, and I was given countless, or I was under uh, rigorous psychological exam every time I returned to the base. That's where I met D'Artagnan and some other Shadowrunners, and I got a taste for what life is outside the base. It, it's hard to shake your programming, but after I betrayed Dart, Trying to cope with that seemed to shake it off. Luckily, I didn't get caught when they uh, when they said the light of the life, uh, the light of life, accept you. You was life. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I heard someone else say it, and I wasn't. They didn't notice me when I didn't say it, and I figured what it was. So I tricked them. And played the part. I figured I couldn't go back to my life as a Shadowrunner. I didn't know how I was going to escape. And I just kept a lookout. Uh, and continued searching for you. Uh, though, of course, under more rigorous... Uh, under the usual parameters. Being watched by my Simon at all times. After the incident with D'Artagnan, they figured I couldn't integrate in with the society, uh, with society again. Then Zurich Orbital fell from the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I may have only been a Shadowrunner for one year, but apparently that's long, that was long enough for me to understand an opportunity when I saw it. Without any Matrix guards, I went fully against Evo, as strong as I could. Hacked everything I could. Even managed to leak some of the Project Zoria files to some tech agent who was uh, around the same host as me. 
just as a failsafe in case something happened to me. And that's where I found out about the structure of the program. Amelia is the first clone. She was the, uh, the daughter of an Evo exec uh, who was dying. And so he cloned her. And the Evo ma uh, magic team managed to tap into the fountain to give her clone life. And thus the program began. Evo's hope is not just to be able to make clones that are alive. Their hope is to be able to make the perfect clone that can be given everlasting life so that they can replicate those samples and use gene therapy to make at least themselves, if not all of humanity, immortal. I imagine people would have to pay, pay quite a premium for that service. So they've been hiding the project until they've been able to figure it out. And to pad their bottom line and fund the program, they send their operatives out on covert missions to earn enough money that can be siphoned off for the program. At this point, the elevator gets to the bottom. That's a long ride. It was very slow. <laughs> <laughs> and it opens up. And uh, uh, you guys find yourself in a hallway. I dropped my marks. I'm reboot. Sure. Um, and there's, uh, there's nothing there. It's actually kind of a dimly lit hallway. Uh, it's like just like the lights are really, really dark. Um, and uh, it doesn't seem to have any indication as where you should go. It actually uh, like it can go left or right, and then there's a bunch of other, uh, bunch of other hallways like, branching off of it, it seems like. Uh, I'd like to cast extended spatial sense. Sure. Uh, what force? I'd like to cast it at force two, but use reagents to set the limit to six. Sure. Five hits. Okay. Yeah, you get a pretty good sense. You're in a maze, but you can see the end of it, or what you assume is the end of it, because there's a big black hole in your, in your spatial sense. Uh, so you assume that's where your target is, because it's blocked by an additional <laughs> mana barrier. <laughs> um, and you can actually see... Um, I guess you're going to have to roll a, a logic and intuition test to see if you can find your way to that spot. You're, you had to do a maze. You got to do a little maze and figure out the path. Okay. <laughs> I got a one. Um, okay, so it's going to take you a little bit of time. So Echo can keep talking while you're doing this. Uh, Left. No, wait. Uh, wait, we have to go back. Uh, yeah, if you're, if you're not sure, Echo does stop and go, maybe... We just wait here and you figure out the exact way. If there's a maze, there might be traps. Yeah, that's a good plan. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of traps? Acid? Do they have acid down here? Possibly. <laughs> hmm. Uh, clones, immortality, sell it to the world, yada yada, whole deal. So the program is run by the triumvirate. Uh, there's Amelia, who is the, administrative, uh, the uh, administrator. She... She covers all of the clone program. She makes every decision. The money man is Hamada Kenji. He finds the targets, figures out uh, how it can benefit Evo and how he can, he can cover up the money as it gets siphoned off into Zoria. And then uh, Elena Trembley is the scientific lead. She's been working on this project uh, for a while. Um, she started as a lab assistant. Now she's the head of the lab. Uh, slowly the program just eventually became self-sustaining in that it was almost entirely controlled by clones. Um, they've had tremendous success, but nothing quite uh, like you, Mouse. They were pretty sure that 
your genetic code was the way to figure it out, but the drop-off time for that is 25 years. That's when they can tell for sure your body's developed just enough that they know whether or not it will be compatible. And unfortunately, you were lost when you were 23, and they hadn't uh, been able to confirm it, so they didn't take any chances. So what if I had gone with you? You have to understand that every time you saw me out of there, I was under the strict observation of my Simon. I had hoped that you would act as you did, because if you were willing to come back and they were willing to restore you, I don't think I could have beaten you. But I did have a plan, and I might have been able to save you too. You see, after I got this information, I was confronted with a choice. I had enough information to stop the, the program, to end it. Leak here, leak there. Program gets shut down. Too much, uh, too many eyes. Gets shut down and relocated at least. But I knew if that happened, they'd kill off all the remaining clones. So I decided to lay some groundwork. And during those last few hours with the Great Overwatch Division down because of Zurich Orbital, <laughs> <laughs> I took the time to replicate the fracture that existed in the Matrix during that time. And I brought that down, much like a virus, into this base and implemented it here. So while, uh, 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 while the rest of the station is unaware, the system known as an Overwatch score in the Matrix does not truly exist here. It's all mimicked by this deck I have. I guess you could say I'm Grid Overwatch Division down here. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, that's nifty. It would only work in a self-contained matrix such as the one down here. Yeah, of course. But it allowed me to get complete and total access of uh, uh, control of the base. You know that we're under the lake, right? Did you know that? Yes. Okay. I figured that out after I got complete and total access to the base. <laughs> it's not a dumb question, though. I, I, up until then, I'd always been sedated uh, upon entering and leaving the base. I had no idea where I was. But... I started laying the groundwork, and I spoofed eno enough uh, log errors to raise a concern with the current uh, class of clones, and I got them all back into the uh, programmable assist biofeedback suite, and I did a little bit of programming myself. While they were being programmed normally, I added a command word that gives me complete and total control of them. It strips them of their free will, yes, but the act of deprogramming someone completely, save for traumatic events, is long, and I didn't have that time. So, the only missing piece was whatever was on level four. And she kind of looks around at you guys. How we doing on that, Nim? <laughs> I think I just needed to... Ah, oh, this is a dead end, too. I Just one more minute. Oh, it's right here. Uh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well left, 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 right, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, straight, straight, left, left, right. Yeah, it's not that hard, you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you guys can start making your way the, towards your target. And Echo turns to you, Boomer, and goes, any more questions? I think I'm good for now. And she turns to D'Artagnan and she goes, 
dart eye, and he shakes his head and goes, we can talk later. I mean, it seems pretty straightforward. You know, you're trying to be immortal. You find the fountain of youth. You make some clones. You figure out maybe you got something on your hands. You find a good one. It doesn't work out. You're real upset. You try and replicate it. You see an opportunity to get it back. You go after it. It turns out you got a sleeper agent. That guy, woman, sort of just takes over your whole base and puts a crack in the wall, and then you knock it down. Yeah, I hate when that happens. (laughs) And she goes, that pretty much sums it up, I suppose. I'd like to judge intentions. (laughs) Sure, go ahead. Six hits. Okay. She seems nervous, but not in what she's saying. More in, like, the fact that she's around you guys and she's tried to kill you guys a couple of times. And uh, she's not sure exactly what happens after you guys don't need her anymore. But, like, as far as what she's been saying, you do sense, like, genuine remorse. Like, a genuine conflict in her. Like, you know, like, she's she does have to, like... She was raised to think one thing and only, like, she's only had two years of being a free thinker. So, like, you know, that's why it's very easy for her to decide to kill somebody, you know, and and so on. So you get a little bit of that, too. Doesn't feel like she's building a secret clone army? No, it feels more like she doesn't know how to be a good guy. Okay. (laughs) But she's trying real hard. (laughs) I will DNI the group. I think. She's telling the truth. You think or you know? I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm not going to say 100%, but, you know, 85, 90. Works for me. Uh, Let's get this thing and get out of here. I need a beer. And as you guys are walking uh, down this dark hallway, you turn uh, a corner and you actually see down at the end of this hallway, there's uh, kind of a a bluish white light uh, and it seems to be moving uh, as if refractions off of uh, uh, water and you hear the bubbling of maybe like a stream or a fountain or something and uh, uh, you start approaching and like it's been kind of cold in here as you've been walking around you're very deep underground (laughs) and uh, uh, you're walking and as you get closer to that light it feels warmer and warmer not like to the point of hot but like the point of comfort and uh you get a little closer and you hear that watery sound. It's not like, you know, very heavily, just like a little bubbling. Like you hear just like moving water. Uh, it's very serene. It kind of gives you a feel of calm as soon as you start to get closer to the light. And uh, you guys turn the corner. And that's where we'll end this session. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by the Tops Company Incorporated. Shadowrun is a trademark of the Tops Company Incorporated. All rights reserved. Go to www.shadowruntabletop.com for more information.